Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. This is Dr. Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels. It is Tuesday, March 21st, 2017. And you are listening to Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. And this is Healing with Dr. Daniels. Okay. So, you know, uh, in uh, medical school, we are taught, and the public is certainly told, that we base everything on science and research and these things have been studied and everything that we are told has been documented. Therefore, we should believe it. Why? Because people um, who have uh, extremely high integrity and who have incredible experience and are far more brilliant and experienced than us, the lowly doctor and, of course, the even lower public, um, have looked at this stuff. And so we should accept this just... uh, as is, without even questioning or inspecting it, because it's already been questioned, has already been inspected, and as my mother would say, it has been vetted. Um, so what I would like to do tonight is show you an example of just what doctors are uh, given in terms of information they're supposed to accept at face value and believe. And, um, of course, this raises a lot of times more questions than uh, I might answer so this article, and this was actually sent to doctors, Medscape Family Medicine, says, did Carrie Fisher die from chronic magnesium deficiency? Well, you know, when I was a medical student, and they would mention things like this, I would say, well, who cares? I mean, is there a Carrie Fisher epidemic? You know, is there an epidemic that involves this person as well as other people? Is this a new disease called the Carrie Fisher died from it disease? So the question then is, where is where is the research? Where is the documentation? What's really going on here? So let's see if we can't sort through this. And so uh, the question is, did Carrie Fisher die from chronic magnesium deficiency? And what I'm going to explain to you today is how it was really involved here is an exercise in obscuring the obvious. And I'm going to show how mainstream medicine 
really co-ops memes of natural healing and um, diverts, convolutes the concept so that it's, it's practically unrecognizable and, and not even able to be used in a beneficial way in terms of helping people heal, now, let alone uh, unfortunate Carrie Fisher helping her if that was possible. All right. So, as always, think happens. So this is what your doctor uh, was told about the Carrie Fisher death. Uh, Carrie Fisher, for your information, died on uh, December 23rd, more or less, and this appears February 13th. In other words, let's see, December 23rd, January 23rd, almost two months later, time enough, you would think, to get some facts, if there are any facts to be had. Okay, so this is uh, Dr. George Lundberg, and um, he says, magnesium and sudden death. Uh, we can deduce that uh, Carrie Fisher may have died suddenly. Okay, so did Carrie Fisher die from low total body magnesium? He says, I don't know, but I say probably yes. So this is one big, huge red flag right here. You've got a dead body. It's been almost two months, for Christ's sake. Did someone do a magnesium level in this dead body? I mean, it's a simple enough question to answer. It doesn't seem to me you'd have to guess about this. But believe it or not, a lot of us presented in medical schools presented in this exact same vein. Professor will get up there and say, make a statement. Just a statement and say, I don't know, but I think probably yes. And can you imagine your doctor being educated on I think so, but probably yes? So already, here I am sitting in medical school, uh, just a little concerned about what it is I'm really being taught. And again, this is the tone in which medical school is generally um, taught. And so, of course, we're preconditioned to believe all this stuff. You know, you've got the big admission process, you've got the big loans you've taken out, and who wants to admit the emperor has no clothes, or that maybe they've walked into something that wasn't what they thought it was. Okay. So he says, news reports stated that she was suddenly unresponsive and not breathing while traveling on an airplane. Okay, a lot of things can cause that. She was resuscitated, transferred to the UCLA Medical Center after the airplane landed, never regained consciousness, and died again a few years a few days later. So this person is suggesting you can die twice. So just because you're not breathing and you're unresponsive does not mean that you're dead. Uh, you know, I went to medical school. I can tell you that, you know, if a person has a heartbeat and they're not breathing, usually you can give a few breaths, puff, puff, and uh, they will start breathing spontaneously on their own. All right. So then another concept, dying twice. <laughs> My father uh, was very stern with us. He said, you only die once. That's it. Once you die, you're dead. You do not come back to life. And he said that so many times that, um, you know, kind of stuck with me. So by the time I got to medical school, I was 22 years old by then, I said, whoa, wait a minute, no one dies twice. But again, this is the kind of talk you get in medical school. It's not... It has long been known that low magnesium levels can trigger a range of cardiac rhythm abnormalities, including some that are potentially lethal. Now, some that are potentially lethal, they are lethal, right? Sometimes they're lethal, sometimes they're not, but they can be. It has also long been known that magnesium infusions are successful at quickly reversing many cardiac arrhythmias. 
It may be, but uh, I can tell you, having done advanced cardiac life support, they do not have or did not have magnesium on the cardiac revival cart. They had um, calcium, calcium gluconate, just by the way. So sudden, unexpected, unattended death is probably the most common mode of death in the United States with an annual incidence between 300 and 400,000. This is a huge number. For perspective, the most common cause of death in a recent year were heart disease, including sudden death. Now, let's just, whoa, 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 back this up. Unexpected, unattended is probably the most common mode of death. And so we have heart disease, which includes this sudden death. So then if we do a little bit of math here, 400,000 of these so-called heart disease deaths are really miscellaneous, don't know what happened. And so although they're thrown into the heart disease, lower your cholesterol category, they really belong in the I don't know category. Okay, so cancer, 591,000. Chronic lower respiratory disease, 147,000. We'll call that emphysema just for clarity. Unintended injuries, that would be accidents, 136,000. We know for sure those diabetics who took their insulin and did not wake up are included in that 136,000. Stroke, 133,000. Again, including that number are the strokes caused by cholesterol medications. Alzheimer's disease, 93,000. Again, a condition we know is caused by chronic brain poisoning, basically from uh, medications and food additives, just by the way. Then we have diabetes, 76,000 deaths a year um, caused, clearly by diet. And influenza and pneumonia, 55,000, more than half of which are hospital acquired. Okay, so (laughs) we've got here a serious indictment of the medical system, but let's go on. The vast majority of sudden deaths occur outside of a hospital and are unobserved. Okay, so sudden death, the 600,000 sudden deaths, 400,000 of that is death that simply occur outside the hospital. They're sudden, they're not observed, and the doctor just fills in the blank, eh, heart disease. Um, so without a cardiac rhythm monitor in place at the time of death or an informed autopsy, the actual cause of death in this large cohort is unknown. And this is what I have said in my radio shows before. So now we have a licensed doctor corroborating that. Now he says, however, daily practice and conventional wisdom suggests that sudden cardiac death is the cause in most cases. Of course, however, if the heart stops suddenly, that can be due to poisoning, as in a drug overdose, whether a recreational or prescription. So there's a lot of things that can make the heart stop uh, beating. It may not primarily be a disease of the heart. Okay. The large body of observational literature that has evolved over many decades, beginning with magnesium concentrations in drinking water, suggests that low total body magnesium could be the cause of sudden death. Others have recently noticed that a low serum magnesium level is associated with increased likelihood of coronary artery disease and sudden cardiac death. The problem has always been the difficulty in measuring total body magnesium stores. So serum magnesium levels 
are protected metabolically and only become low if overall stores are very low. So in other words, a, a normal serum magnesium level can exist even when the stores of magnesium are low. Careful dietary history can tease out the likelihood of insufficient magnesium intake, but this is rarely done in medical practice. So he's postulating as a cause of death for this famous individual is, one, something that cannot be measured or verified, and number two, something he did not even attempt to measure or verify. All right. There's no doubt that magnesium is a vital element that is required for a large number of metabolic cellular activities. The National Institute of Health website says magnesium is needed for more than 300 biochemical reactions in the body, helps maintain normal muscle and nerve function, supports a healthy immune system, keeps the heart rhythm steady, and helps bones remain strong. So serious magnesium deficiency could adversely affect many human bodily functions, producing so many malfunctions that I termed magnesium deficiency the emperor of all maladies. Meanwhile, back to Carrie Fisher. Okay. I do not know why Ms. Fisher died suddenly on an airplane at the age of 60. Nor do you. Or, I might add, the physicians who cared for her until she died. So now, we've got this whole big thing about magnesium deficiency surrounding a person who's famous, whose name was used probably just to get the doctor's attention, and this person is getting on a magnesium soapbox when there's no evidence that magnesium was involved. All right. So I credit the UCLA physicians and staff for keeping her information private. And I credit the Los Angeles County Medical Examiner Coroner's Office for requiring an autopsy, quite proper. The results have not been made public at this time, but it would be very difficult for either the UCLA physicians or pathologists to confirm the cause of death, taking into account the clinical interventions that doubtless were applied between Ms. Fisher's sudden collapse on the airplane and following studies. Regardless, I will assure you that an assessment of total magnesium stores will not have been done. Okay. What is my point? I called for much more study about magnesium deficiency in 2015. I don't think that it has been done. This is a pity. What do you mean you don't think it's been done? Did you check? Judging from the large number of comments we received in 2015, average physicians seem to care about this. Leading research scientists and governmental agencies, not so much. But wait, if you're just doing a study on magnesium, how much money does that really take? To look at the numbers of sudden unexpected deaths in adults, which are allegedly sudden cardiac deaths, wake up, people. This could be a really big deal. Study it. Intervention studies have been proposed for many years. I've been unable to find that any such studies have been done or are being done. So the 2003 book, The Magnesium Factor, may be the best source for reliable information. Drugs that increase magnesium excretion include Aha. Uh-huh. Diuretics, proton pump inhibitors, ethyl alcohol, and cola drinks. Now, wait a minute. So if people are using drugs such as diuretics prescribed by doctors or proton pump inhibitors prescribed by doctors, and these drugs create a low magnesium and the person dies with low magnesium, the root cause then would be the diuretics and proton pump inhibitors. Now, wouldn't it? Now, ethyl alcohol... I'll confess 
I had to look up ethyl alcohol. In fact, I'm personally not an alcohol drinker. So let's see what ethyl alcohol is. It's ethanol, also called alcohol. Ethyl alcohol and drinking alcohol are the same thing. The principal type of alcohol found in alcoholic beverages. It is a volatile, flammable, colorless liquid. So in other words, if a person drinks alcohol, then the alcohol is going to cause a low magnesium. So the real cause of death then, if the person ingests alcohol, would be the alcohol ingestion. So hold that thought. We're going to get there. So I take 400 milligrams of magnesium citrate daily. Other magnesium salts are also okay. So if you're an American physician, nurse, or other healthcare professional, you are probably magnesium deficient. Correct that now. Eat either high magnesium foods or take nutritional supplements. Swimming normal kidney function, you can't overdose on magnesium. <laughs> so there's the rub. Uh, if you take a lot of magnesium, you can actually create abnormal kidney function, just by the way. If your magnesium stores are low, they will replenish. And when you reach magnesium balance, any excess is eliminated by the kidneys. If you take more magnesium than you need, your stools may become loose. Then cut back. Give your patients the same advice. If you work in academia or National Institute of Health, try to get some serious interventional trials going. If you work at the Department of Agriculture or U.S. Food and Drug Administration, try to establish policies that get much more magnesium into the American people. If you're a clinical laboratory scientist, try to figure out how to measure total body magnesium stores so that physicians can order the test. So in other words, there's no such test. Okay. It could be some combination of serum, plasma, or red blood cell magnesium levels, urine magnesium, like a 24-hour collection, and a detailed dietary history. Physicians manage what they measure. And this is also a management um, axiom is what you measure, what you monitor, is what grows. If you don't monitor it, then it's not going to grow. So just to make a good test available would do wonders for ascertaining truth and changing behavior if needed. I do not understand why there seems to be no sense of urgency about better understanding the cause of sudden, unobserved, unexpected death in Americans. There's a vast interest in cardiac resuscitation with a less than 5% success rate, but not in prevention. Go figure. Fix it. That's my opinion. Okay, so let's just back up here. This person suggests that measuring magnesium levels is necessary. It is absolutely, totally unnecessary, certainly in the case of uh, this individual. So let's take a look at what is known uh, about this person. So let's take a look. So if we look at the, uh, <laughs> the Sun, this is a magazine in the UK, it says, Carrie Fisher was high as a kite in her final days after falling off the wagon, following decades of drug and booze addiction problems. Okay. So if you have a person who has a history of heavy alcohol use, then clearly what this person really died of was not a magnesium deficiency that fell out the sky, but alcohol ingestion. So if her doctors had been kind to her, they probably would have supplemented with magnesium. Those of you who care to know the dose, magnesium oxide, 800 milligrams a day. That's, you know. So if you have somebody you know 
who is drinking heavily, we'll call it one alcohol drink a day, then have them take 800 milligrams a day of magnesium. Magnesium oxide is the uh, preparation that I was trained to use in medical school, and it really works. And not only does it help people who drink not suffer uh, the severe consequences of their alcohol intake, but it even um, helps people not have a desire for alcohol. It really lessens their desire. So we even have a picture on November 24th, 2016, of uh, Carrie Fisher in a room with holding her dog with a, a beer, supposedly it was believed to be a beer, on night scan. Actually, one uh, empty beer bottle. Okay, or mostly empty beer bottle. So it says here, the movie star legend who had battled years of addiction to alcohol and drugs was taken during this shot, was taken during Thanksgiving, November 24th. Okay. And her friend said, this is a rumor, but we've got the history of alcohol use, full-blown fall from the wagon for the star. Pale added, Carrie had responded around, relapsed around Thanksgiving. I saw her myself as high as a kite not that long ago. So the um, so we have here then a doctor on a soapbox about magnesium. I'm not saying magnesium is a bad thing. What I am saying is, is the magnesium issue is being totally misrepresented here. First of all, it's pretty clear that alcohol had a role to play. Um, in the death of this individual. And to paint it as a magnesium deficiency is outrageous. And even worse, to have a person die of chronic, um, let's say, drug ingestion, and then paint it as a sudden heart attack that should be addressed maybe by more people getting screened is is outrageous. So that is not... uh, that's not beneficial to uh, the movie star who probably could have been um, received more beneficial treatment, we'll say. Certainly not beneficial to the public who's being misled, either by, if they pay attention to such things, being misled either by believing they should get screened for heart disease because this problem this person had in the plane just kind of, uh, came out of nowhere, a perfectly healthy person. Or even worse, uh, that there's a magnesium uh, epidemic here. This is not. Maybe there's a magnesium epidemic, but this individual is not part of it. This person basically had uh, an issue of alcohol ingestion um, that was not uh, managed, we don't think, uh, or at least per- this person suggests was not managed by magnesium supplementation. Certainly, the treatment for delirium tremens, which is withdrawal from alcohol, is magnesium oxide and thiamine, 100 milligrams a day. And if you're in the drug camp, you might give the person a sedative. But let's just say for the sake of discussion that this person really was on the wagon and really had quit drinking alcohol. To quit alcohol does not address magnesium deficiency or the B vitamin deficiency. And so what may have happened here 
is this person's deficiencies may not have been addressed. But knowing her history, her problem was not a primary dietary deficiency of magnesium. And so uh, this is a very misleading representation um, that's not fair either to Carrie Fisher or to um, magnesium because it doesn't tell the, it doesn't comport with the known information. All right, so let's take another look here. We have another source here. This is a site called Page Six. So Carrie Fisher reportedly had drug relapse before her death. And it says, um, this movie star suffered a drug relapse about a month before her, her deadly heart attack, a new report says. So now, basically, there's not any evidence that she had a heart attack because you need to be uh, monitored and serial blood enzymes need to be taken. Okay, she relapsed around Thanksgiving, a source told Radar One Online. The source countered claims that the actress had gotten her addiction demons under control before she went into cardiac arrest aboard a plane. Fisher, who lingers in a Los Angeles hospital for several days before dying at the age of 60, had openly talked of her past battles with booze, pills, LSD, and cocaine. Now, what do we know about these things? Alcohol, pills, LSD, and cocaine. Um, certainly, the uh, cocaine, the booze, and the pills, for sure. I don't know much about LSD. haven't studied it that much. But the other ones represent B vitamin deficiencies. Some of her friends talked, I talked to doubted she ever was totally clean and sober because she got doctor's prescriptions to treat Bipolar disorder, depression, and anxiety. Now, there are famous um, actors, uh, Whitney Houston among them. So Whitney Houston kicked her addiction by switching from street drugs to prescription drugs and promptly died of the prescription drugs. So we have here a similar situation. So this person in the past used LSD and cocaine, which we can, you know, these are not legal drugs, but switched to uh, prescriptions from her doctor. And again, so this article conceals what's a huge public health problem, which is death that occurs when the tip of a pen is applied to a prescription pad. And so this doctor giving this opinion exalting magnesium, papers over the real issue here, which is people dying from prescriptions written by physicians. People, deaths that are facilitated by, expedited by prescription. I mean, that's the real investigation that needs to happen here. So we know this person was taking prescriptions written by a doctor. The question is, well, which prescriptions? We'll even say, hey, give the doctor immunity. I mean, don't even, don't even mention the doctor's name. I mean, I think the real public service here would be to reveal what were the drugs that were, that were being taken. And it's that kind of information that would really empower people. To, to say this person's death is attributable to uh, a magnesium issue 
for which there's not even a blood test, is totally unscientific, especially when you have the information that the person practically ingested material that would cause such a deficiency. And the only thing to do, which, is, which doctors do, is empirically replace these deficiencies that you know must be in place if a person is ingesting, say, alcohol, for example. But this is not at all what this person is calling for. This person is saying, hey, you shouldn't proactively assist a person who drinks alcohol by giving them the B vitamins, thiamine, or by giving them magnesium while they're drinking. So at least you don't have the issue of sudden death. At least, you know, the person has a little more time to get their act together if they so desire and quit, or even if they don't get their act together, at least they can live a better quality, longer life. But no. (laughs) He says, give everybody magnesium. And there's no call at all to investigate what drugs this person was taking. And if indeed her doctor had, I won't say her doctor, but medical therapy, standard of care had a role to play in her death. And I think, you know, so many times you look for someone to blame when actually, um, in this case, it's not necessary. Um, If indeed this person um, died as a result of prescriptions written by her doctor, I think that's really all you need to know is that that was really the cause of death and what those prescriptions are and gives you a little more information to make a decision as to what they are going to do or not do. So um, what really killed Carrie Fisher? Uh, what killed both, really most everybody is what we put in our mouth. And I think um, that really is the cause of death. And there may have been a doctor or medical assistant there. You know, if we believe her um, friend's account that she got doctor's prescriptions to treat uh, bipolar, depression, and anxiety, then that's a fairly uh, you know, deadly, deadly combination of drugs, actually. So I think that this Catchy headline, um, you know, putting a celebrity's name on on this um, false logic is really unfortunate. And this, unfortunately, is the way that medicine is taught. Um, a title is given, false logic employed, and a poor medical student must totally confused. And, you know, if you read this story, this opinion piece, all you really get out of it is everyone should get magnesium because we think everyone has a magnesium deficiency even though we can't measure it. Well, that flies totally in the face of any, there's nothing scientific about that. You know, you, 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 you're talking about a condition you can't measure, can't detect. You're going to throw magnesium at it in an unknown dose, unknown amount for an unspecified outcome. This is, this is outrageous. This is, this is silliness. I remember when I got into medical practice, I had my own practice in the 90s, I'd read stuff like this. I mean, you got to just throw it in the trash. you got to just throw it in the trash because there's no, there's no objective way to measure it. But now if you say, wait a minute, we know that people who drink alcohol tend to get low magnesium, 
And there's a certain volume of alcohol consumption. Maybe it's one drink a day, maybe it's two drinks a day. At that level of alcohol consumption, a certain dose of magnesium, we'll call it 800 milligrams magnesium oxide a day, and thiamine, 100 milligrams a day, needs to be administered so the person can quit alcohol whenever they want to and not have any withdrawal or difficulties. Now, there's a sensible statement. Okay, great. I can identify these people. Why? Because they drink a certain amount of alcohol. I know what to give them. Why? So they won't die. So these are things that will be beneficial for doctors to know, even for non-doctors to know. And so the condition is what? Drinking alcohol? How many drinks? My experience, anything more than a drink a day. So if a person drinks, we call it seven drinks a week, one drink a day, then yes, magnesium oxide, 800 milligrams, once a day, preferably bedtime, and thiamine, 100 milligrams a day, preferably in the morning. And um, that will greatly improve the person's quality of life and you know, prevent these uh, outrageous uh, events and deaths. And papering a person's condition over with drugs for bipolar, for depression, and anxiety as three pills, uh, that, that would not, that's not helpful. And as we can see by the untimely death of this, of this unfortunate person, that uh, it was not helpful. Okay, so we are ready for questions. What is our call-in number? We have got a call-in number here. Let's see what I can figure out. 914-338-0695. That's 914-338-0695. Let's see if we have questions. <laughs> Uh, uh, Dr. Daniels, is magnesium deficiency as much a problem as many alternatives are saying it is lately? No, it's not. And how much does the average person really need? Good question. Also, some say magnesium oxide is the worst kind to take. It might be, but I found it works pretty darn well. It works very well. Um, I've given magnesium oxide, 800 milligrams, um, to serious alcoholics. And boom, their alcoholism goes away. They lose their desire to drink, and uh, things work out great. I was in medical practice 1990 to 2000. That's 10 years. And um, this lady came in, and she was just in tears. I said, oh, Dr. Dan, you've got to help me. I said, well, do whatever I can. What's the problem? She said, it's my husband. He's, an, he's, he's, he's a drunk. He gets paid every week. And he goes straight to the bar. He drinks up his whole paycheck. And we don't have any food. We don't have any rent. It is terrible. And you've got to help me because we can't go on this way. And by the way, he earns very good money. If he would just bring his money home, we would be fine. We'd have no problem. I said, "Uh uh-huh. Hmm. Okay. So I told him, look, here's what you do. 100 milligrams of thiamine, 800 milligrams of magnesium oxide. You give this to him every single day. That's what you do. And she did this. And about three weeks later, um, she calls me back and says, oh, my God, Dr. Dennis, thank you so much. He's not drinking anymore. He's coming home. He's giving me all his money. We got enough money now. We can pay our rent. We can buy food. We do all kinds of things. Oh, this is just awesome. So maybe magnesium oxide is the worst stuff there is, but guess what? (laughs) It works. So um, I'll stick with magnesium oxide. Now, a doctor in the in editorial said magnesium citrate. Um, no, 
I am not a magnesium citrate fan, especially not taking it every day, because magnesium citrate does cause kidney problems. So uh, definitely magnesium oxide is what I would recommend, and 800 milligrams a day is, is, is just fine. Now, so what's the deadly dose of magnesium? So magnesium, uh, we know the deadly dose, why? Because uh, magnesium sulfate is used intravenously in women in labor to stop their labor. And so about somewhere around 10 grams of magnesium oxide is what it takes to kill a pregnant lady. So um, more or less uh, 10 grams. So 10 grams will do you in. But again, we're talking about 800 milligrams, milligrams of magnesium oxide. So that's a pretty safe, pretty safe dose um, that you don't need to uh, worry about. So 100 milligrams is thiamine, thiamine, and thiamine is a B vitamin. And um, my favorite way to give 100 milligrams of thiamine is just to have a person take two B-complex 50s. So that would be um, the way to do it. There's not that much magnesium uh, stearate or magnesium and magnesium stearate, so I wouldn't really count on that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Daniels. Uh, is 100 milligrams of thiamine also helpful for people who don't have a drinking problem? Yes, it is. Um, turns out in our modern diet, uh, in our industrialized world that we live in, so many things have their B vitamins removed. And so many diets, like um, a vegetarian diet, vegan diet, are profoundly lacking in B vitamins. B vitamins occur disproportionately in things like liver and animal products. And so it's almost impossible to get enough B vitamins um, if you're not eating you know, some liver. Now, there are people who will say, oh, Dr. Downs, what about nutritional yeast? You could use nutritional yeast, and I have in the past when I was vegan, vegetarian, used nutritional yeast, and you get bloating with that, and you get um, other side effects when you take enough to um, make sure you're getting 100 milligrams of uh, thiamine every day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. What well, helps muscle cramps every day? If you're having muscle cramps every single day, then most likely you have a salt deficiency. And so one teaspoon of salt and a cup of water, drink it down, it generally banishes the muscle cramps. So that's the most common cause, um, my observation, of muscle cramps is simply um, a salt deficiency and it takes salt. Now, you can also have muscle cramps because of parasites. Um, Salt muscle cramps occur in both legs equally. If you have cramps in just one leg, then that would be more likely parasites because that's because the parasites are located in one leg and not another. And so, yes, you can uh, apply turpentine topically right to that cramp, and boom, the cramp will go away. It'll take about 30 seconds, but uh, that'll go away if it's um, related to parasites. Can topically applied turpentine be effective system-wide by way of transdermal absorption into the bloodstream? Um, it's, not absorbed, uh, it's not absorbed that quickly, and the problem you have is um, variable circulation. 
So you can have um, certain areas of your body that simply don't have that good of circulation. And so the um, topical use of turpentine basically is for pain relief. And you can use the turpentine on the painful area, but that painful area most likely has pretty poor circulation. That's why it has pain. So um, the topical um, route of administration is simply not reliable enough. And the um, location of the parasites basically is in the intestinal, gallbladder, liver system. And so when you apply turpentine topically, it's generally pretty far away from that system and doesn't really get in there um, as well as if, say, you you took it um, by mouth. All right. I just want to say our call number is 914-338-0695. All right. Let's see. What causes ringing in the ears and how to treat it? Ringing in the ears is usually caused by parasites. Problem with ringing in the ears is the ear is tucked away behind a super, super hard bone called the petrous bone. And so there's not a huge circulation uh, there. And so the best way to get rid of it is um, to start is hydration and, and bowel movements. That's the first thing. And then, of course, you can add turpentine if you want to. But um, the ringing in the ears can be caused by that. It can also be caused by um, mineral deficiencies. So definitely uh, take a trace mineral supplement. Dr. Hans, what is a good amount of Epsom salt to use for soaking in the feet or body? Well, the body, four cups in a tub of water. The feet, usually a half cup is more than enough for the feet. Yeah, medication can cause ringing in the ears, but it's best just to, yeah, first thing is don't take medication. What about the use of magnesium gel? I don't use it. Okay. How can one get rid of a tooth abscess with pain and swelling? You can go to vitalitycapsules.com, click under products, and go down to the free report, 10 remedies so powerful they make antibiotics obsolete. It tells you exactly how to get rid of a tooth abscess with pain and swelling. Because when I was in medical practice, I... People will come in. I mean, the whole side of their face would be all swollen up. And they're oh, Dr. Daniels, it hurts. What am I going to do? And I said, aha, let me send you to the dentist. Yes, sir, Reba, this is a dental problem. I can tell. I don't even need to go any further. And so I'd send them to the dentist. And the dentist would usually give them an antibiotic and some super strong narcotic. And they would be back in my office, I kid you not, within 24 hours complaining that your pain is just as bad or worse. And I said, you know what? I have got to stop sending these people to the dentist because the dentist is not solving my problem, which is that they are complaining. And so that's when I um, developed a natural way to handle uh, these abscesses. And basically, you take um, a one-inch by two-inch section of white T-shirt, drop clove oil on it, roll it up, and tuck it between your tooth and the gum right over that root that's causing the pain. It would be easy for you to sort this out. All you do is put your finger up here, press, 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 ouch, and that's where you put uh, the clove-soaked gauze. And then you just take uh, three garlic capsules by mouth, 
four times a day. And that is it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but do get the report to make sure that you uh, get that right. And generally, you start getting relief pretty much within uh, half an hour. And that's a heck of a lot quicker than you get relief with uh, antibiotic or um, with narcotic painkillers. And you don't even get to be a drug addict. So that's, that's nice. Okay. How does one get a replay of this broadcast? Actually, you can go to vitalitycapsules.com forward slash truth dash files and we post a replay right there. And dum dum thank you for bringing that up. Um, I've just got an account at SoundCloud, SoundCloud, and we'll be posting these radio shows on SoundCloud where people can download them. Okay. Dr. Daniels, a family member recently did the garlic capsules as recommended, and it really helped. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for uh, mentioning that. (laughs) Scott, who changed the time? Okay. This time wasn't changed. Uh, There's daylight savings time. It goes back and forth. And so the show is pegged to Eastern Standard Time. So when the time changed in the Eastern Standard Area, um, those of us in parts of the world where the time does not change notice that the time for the show changed. For example, I have to get on the um, air a whole hour earlier now because the um, time in Panama did not change. Okay. <laughs> yeah, SoundCloud. Dr. Dennis, is a clove oil bought from the store versus a clove grinded and mixed in castor oil yourself any different in quality and strength? Uh, yes, they're very different in quality and strength. So clove oil you buy from the um, health food store is the essential oil of the cloves. So it is not diluted in any way by um, castor oil. Um, so my experience is only with the clove oil. I have not um, used or tried um, using castor oil. Okay. All right. Let's move this over here. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> okay. Dr. Dance, I took a quarter teaspoon of turpentine, noticed nothing, and half a teaspoon Saturday, and I live. Um, should I progress to a teaspoon? Um, you could, or you could just stay at half a teaspoon for a while and see how things go. Could metformin and hydrochlorothiazide cause ringing in the ears? Um, yes, that is definitely a possibility. The problem with hydrochlorothiazide is it causes dehydration. So anything that can be caused by dehydration can be caused by hydrochlorothiazide. So... Um, that gives it a uh, very long list of potential side effects, which is really unfortunate. So um, here, if you look online, uh, I can definitely make tinnitus louder. Um, But does it actually cause tinnitus in someone who doesn't have it? Not clear. 
It can still cause certain side effects in some people, such as dizziness, vertigo, and tinnitus. Yep, it can cause tinnitus. So there you have it. There you have it. Um, Okay. (laughs) What is the cure for occasional yeast infection? If you have occasional yeast infection, then you can just basically uh, get the sugar out of your diet. That's probably the quickest thing. The worst source of sugar, or actually the source of yeast is bread. They cut the bread out of your diet. The source of sugar is um, soda pop and fruit juice. So those are two things that you can do that will definitely um, get rid of uh, recurring yeast infections. Okay. Back again, doesn't the healthy gut with its abundant healthy bugs produce enough B vitamins except for B12? No, it does not. And if you have a healthy gut with abundant healthy bugs, B12 is the only vitamin they would make enough of. <laughs> so you've got that absolutely, totally, completely backwards. So um, B12 actually is not um, really in our food. It's produced by um, Carini bacteria, which is a bacteria that's present in meat. And so that bacteria gets into our gut and creates B12. Um, the other B vitamins, you absolutely, um, the diet is the only way to get the other B vitamins. So the, um, you know, the, the thiamine and all the other B vitamins, the only way to get them is really in your diet. You can't get a substantial amount from the um, gut bacteria. Okay. I have these uh, little signal things that are, okay. What about magnesium threonate or magnesium glycinate? I have never used them. Um, I'm sure they're good for something, but I just haven't really found a use for them, and I've been able to cure a lot of stuff without them. Okay, one more time. <laughs> Dr. Jones, I ate beef heart the other day. And oh, my goodness, I liked it. Um, beef heart here in Panama is quite a delicacy. Um, I tried it the way they cooked it, and I did not much like it. So maybe you could copy and paste your uh, recipe in the chat room. That would be great. Okay. Ah, here's an interesting one. Dr. Dan, what's the difference between thalassemia and anemia? That's a good question. So thalassemia is um, a type of anemia that's genetic. And unlike most genetic things, thalassemia is mediated by four genes. So you can have thalassemia major or thalassemia minor, depending on how many of these genomes are affected. Um, In any case, thalassemia is generally a fairly mild anemia. Um, And a person who thinks they have anemia, if you think you have anemia, then it's not thalassemia. So that's, (laughs) that's very straightforward. So thalassemia is a genetic defect and you would know when you have it. So thalassemia is not a kind of anemia that comes and goes. Thalassemia is continual. It comes and stays. So if you think you have anemia, in other words, maybe you didn't have anemia last year, the year before, chances are great it's not thalassemia. What do you do for thalassemia? Um, it's actually pretty simple. You just eat a better diet, uh, you know, 100% organic, no processed stuff, and uh, keep your nutrition going. You can do pretty well. 
<laughs> All right, so the person says, Dr. Daniels, I think the hardest thing to do is trust your own ability to heal yourself. What do you think about this? I think, again, if you don't trust your ability to heal yourself, there's a reason for that. The reason for that is you're probably highly educated, and um, the education that people have, K through 12, and certainly um, college, and certainly graduate degree is <clears throat> health. Leave that to the experts. If you have a hangnail, Go see the doctor. Get a tetanus shot. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So the problem really is um, you've just been inundated with propaganda. Um, So you have the chore or the task of deprogramming yourself. And so that's why it's so hard um, to trust your own ability to heal yourself because you've been programmed otherwise. Okay. (laughs) All right. I am so tempted, Dr. Daniels, um, to trust and take the pills recommended by a person with a piece of paper who's been certified by the government, which is paid off by multinational corporations to do their billing, or uh, probably bidding. Um, Possibly, but it's even more direct than that. So the multinational corporations actually write the medical school curriculum. So uh, it's kind of like a triangle. The multinational corporations control the government and... Uh, licensure and control the medical education. So doctors actually believe that they are receiving a scientific unbiased education when actually the very curriculum is written by the drug companies, insurance companies, and hospitals for their own personal profit. The problem, of course, comes when you um, educate a doctor, let's say in the year 2017, how do you reprogram him to continue to serve the profitability of his masters in, say, uh, 2037. And that, that is the problem. And the, and the answer to that, of course, is you tell a doctor, well, continuing medical education, we're constantly updating. When really what's happening is negotiations between these three controlling entities, um, hospital, insurance, and drug companies, you know, negotiations are ongoing. And depending on what the nego- negotiations are, a new standard of care is put forth, and the doctor is expected to, of course, swallow that hook, line, and sinker. So it's not that the um, certification program by the state is paid off by multi-drug corporations. No, the certification program by the state is just there to control the doctor. So if the doctor does anything that politicians don't like, they can yank his uh, livelihood. So that is what's really going on. So it's not any hierarchy where um, the multinationals control the government, which controls whatever, the hospitals that are certified, that controls the doctors. No. If it was that linear, then being a doctor would be pretty simple. You just find, find one boss, which whoever it is in the chain of command, and you just follow what that boss tells you. No. The problem is everyone, the drug company, the insurance company, the hospital and the government has a direct line to the doctor, influencing him day to day, uh, threatening him day to day, and filling him with penalties should he not do their bidding. So for the doctor, it gets seriously stressful. Okay. <laughs> um, so 
uh, then. You really need to just trust yourself. As uninformed, as uncertified as you are, you simply have to trust your own judgment. Now, what do you trust? How your body feels. If you do something and you feel worse, then guess what? You did not do the right thing. If you do something and you feel better, then guess what? You did the right thing. Okay. And then let's see. We have uh, other questions here. Could HV, hmm, what is HV? I don't know. Is AAH is apnea magnesium deficiency? Hmm. Oh, is apnea a magnesium deficiency? No. Um, apnea, apnea appears to be, if you ask me, um, a combination of, of malnutrition and toxicity. So I've had people with apnea um, detox and boom. Apnea is gone, breathing fine, even snoring goes away. So those are really conditions of toxicity. And the person detoxes um, by having more bowel movements, maybe by taking vitality capsules or by doing enemas or by eating clean, non-toxic food, then um, things like uh, apnea and snoring go right away. Okay. A young man, age 32, passed away unexpectedly uh, about three weeks ago. He was found lying in the hallway on his way to sign papers for a house he was buying. Hmm. Um, Yeah, so if a person, age 32, passes away unexpectedly, chances of being natural causes are just about zero. So... uh, maybe further investigation might uh, reveal what was at the bottom of that. Okay. So we are coming to the close of our show. I'd like to remind people to please visit vitalitycapsules.com, get your free report, the updated version of the Candida Cleaner, answer all of your um, questions about natural healing with turpentine, something you can definitely do at home. And, as always, think happens, and we will see you next week.